Last week we had some of the kids on and they were on screen telling you guys to move in, okay? Well, I'm not sure whether you were able to actually make out what they were saying. So here's the, here's the problem, guys. We've had a pretty, really a lot of people coming here over the last few weeks. And, and if people are coming in a little bit late, it's hard for them to find seats. So we need you to move in. And, and I know that's hard because bottom line, guys, you don't want to be sitting next to the people who are close to you. I understand that. But just for an hour, tolerate it. Move in a little bit. Move in. Sit close to each other. And remember, Easter is coming. And as tough as it is right now, it's going to get way harder on Easter, not only just for our seating, but also for our parking. And so we need you to start practicing parking far. I mean, if you park next to the building, park a little further away. If you park a little further away, go a little further away yet. But just go ahead and practice parking far, guys, because we're going to need spots because we have guests that we're trying to introduce to Jesus. So bottom line, ready? Move in, stay close, park far. And we're about to go to worship, so here it goes. Five, four, three, two, one. Let's worship.
morning. You guys can have a very quick seat. My name is Jordan. We are so excited that you made it. Despite the weather and the spring forward, y'all are here. I'm so proud of you. You know, every year it's like this. Here in about an hour, we're going to have a group of people come in, not realizing that they're an hour behind. Okay, so when they do walk in here, make sure we all point and laugh, right? No, 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 no. Okay, everybody, everybody is welcome in the kingdom of heaven, even if they're not responsible like we are. So we're going to extend grace this morning, right? But I am very proud of you guys for being here on time. That's really amazing. Before we go any further in the service, though, we do have a couple of things we want to make you all aware of, as always. If you are new to Capital City or you've been coming for a little while, still kind of kicking the tires on us, we want to tell you more about who we are and where we're going, okay? So we make this opportunity available periodically. It's going to happen today between services. Uh, we call it our Getting Started 201. This is where we just open up a room out in the connection. We call it the connections room out in the lobby um, for you to come uh, talk to our leadership. They're going to share just a little bit about who we are as Capital City here at the church. And then open it up for questions. If you've got questions about, uh, want to know more specifically about what we believe, things like that, uh, we're kind of an open book. Maybe you're church shopping and you're looking for a reason to mark us off your list. We'll probably give you one. Okay, but this, we, we want to make sure you get the full understanding of who we are. So that'll be happening immediately after this service. Head straight out into the lobby, take a hard left, and now you'll see the connections room there. Second of all, uh, if you've been coming to Capital City for any length of time, you know that for the last couple years, we've had our 12,000 nudge campaign. Here in 2023, we are trying to nudge 12,000 people closer to Jesus. 1,000 nudges every month. We have a different theme. And as you probably know, this month's theme is getting planted. We actually have uh, packets of seeds out in the lobby. As you're going out, grab a packet of seeds, take it to somebody this week, give it to a friend, give it to a neighbor, gives them an opportunity to uh, you know, add a little uh, pep to their spring. And uh, that's really, it's really a metaphor for what our job is as believers, right? We are to plant the seeds. God makes it grow. He's got that magic under control. But we, uh, you know, people are unbelievably, more so than we realize, receptive to coming to church if they're invited. But how often do we make that ask? Do we invite somebody? So I, I really want to encourage you this month in particular, figure out a way, use the seed packets. If uh, we may run out of those, if we do, you can get a yes, it's free card and do that. The, uh, purchase somebody's coffee, purchase somebody's meal, but figure out a way to, uh, to give somebody, bless somebody, and then just invite them to church. Say, hey, I go to Capital City. We'd love to have you over there. Um, I would love to see this place overflowing over the next couple of weeks as we invite people and make sure that they know that they're welcome here. Uh, last thing I want to make you guys aware of is our spaghetti luncheon fundraiser happening immediately after second service today down in the uh, Family Life Center. This is a fundraiser for our kids going to 7-Eleven camp. That's a camp for middle schoolers that happens over the summer. Uh, really great opportunity for them to get to know Jesus better over the summer. But unfortunately, these things don't happen for free. Uh, and we don't want finances to be a barrier uh, for any of our kids getting to know Jesus on a deeper level. These are actually the kind of camps that I grew up going to here at Capital City. So if you want your kid to turn out like me, second thought, maybe that's not the best way to sell this. If you want your kid to have a better, deeper relationship with Jesus or kids here at Capital City, please stop by there, grab a plate of spaghetti, um, make a donation, and we want to make sure that those kids, anybody who wants to, can go to 7-Eleven camp this summer. Now, you're probably wondering why I'm wearing this shirt. I'm wondering that as well. If you can't read it, it says, uh, introverted but willing to discuss 90s R&B. Steve bought me this shirt. Um, and if you know me at all, this really doesn't apply to me at all. I am not uh, very, in very introverted, quite extroverted actually. And I don't hate 90s R&B, but I don't know, it's not really a passion of mine. It might be more accurate to, if 90s country, like get me started on 90s country, I could go for a while. We can debate, I mean, who's the greatest 90s country artist? It's Joe Diffie, there's really no question. 
What's the greatest 90s country song? Probably Achy Breaky Heart, but you know, we could debate that as well. Yeah, oh gosh, that, that riled him up. <laughs> Listen, there, there are things you could get me started on and I wouldn't stop. Everybody has that. I mean, college basketball. You guys probably, most of you in the room, probably that's a sore spot right now. You may not want to discuss it. But today's Selection Sunday. I mean, for the next three weeks, you're not going to be able to stop me from discussing college basketball. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yes, we have, have one saved person in the audience. My question to you, this is good. That's a great segue because I, we need some participation, some audience participation on this. I want to know, no matter who you are, whether you're introverted, extroverted, what is something that if I got you started, you couldn't stop. I mean, you could come up here and give us an hour lecture on right now, okay? So I'm, I'm gonna open this up. This is always risky, but I need somebody, raise your hand. I, want, I just wanna know something that if I got you started on, you couldn't stop. I'll have a couple follow-up questions. We're not gonna make this awkward. Okay, all right. We've got one victim here. Erica, stand up. Erica, what's one thing if I got you started on, Robbie just shaking his head, I love this already, that we couldn't stop. What are you passionate about? Crafts. Crafts, crafting, okay. I know we got some other craft people in here. What's your favorite, uh, I don't even really know much about crafting. What's, what's like the genre that you're into? Oh gosh. Um, what's the piece that you've done that you're most proud of? Your, uh, what would, uh, your masterpiece, I guess. Crocheting my pocket crosses. Pocket, oh yeah, I've seen your pocket crosses. That's pretty awesome. Uh, all right, let's hear it for Erica and crafting. Thank you, Erica. Now let's go uh, to this side of the room. I'll have more follow-up questions for you later. Anybody over here, they're volunteering. Okay, I know, the, I know this lady is passionate about a lot of things. This is one of my heroes right here. All right, Miss Mondi, if I got you started on something, what could we, let's just hear it for Mondi real quick. If I got you started on something, what's, what's something that we, we'd have trouble shutting you up on? Messing with kids. Yeah. Messing with kids. <laughs> we, know, we know that's true. So how long, how long have you been working with kids, just for everybody, so everybody knows? My first kid I provide for is 63. You, wow, 63. holy cow. Was it Doc Patterson? <laughs> no, he's older than that, we know. One more round for Erica and Mondi. Okay. okay, so as you can see, no matter who you are, extroverted, introverted, if I got you started, there is something for everybody that you wouldn't stop talking about. Everybody has that, no matter what their disposition is, there's something you're that passionate about. My question to you guys this morning, for all of us, and for me too, is how does that play out in our faith? If I got you started on your faith, would you stop talking? Do I have to drag that out of you? Can you keep the good news inside? Or does it take pulling it out of you to get you to talk about it? I know, touchy subject. Ben is going to kind of lay this out for us here in a little while, but one thing I know about this group here is you can't keep it inside of them. That's what I enjoy every week. So I'm going to invite you guys in the meantime as we ponder that to stand up, and we're going to give praise to the one who's deserving. Yeah, I worship you. You are. 
than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you
God, you are the provider. You are Jireh. And we know that you've given us what we need to be able to thrive in this life, to be yours entirely. God, I'm asking that you will come into each of our hearts so that we can go out into this world and to be your light. Thank you for giving us what we need to make that happen. Father, we pray each of these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So we come into this time of communion. We want to make sure that you know that when you go to the tables, you have a chance to be able to give back because of what God has given to you. So if you don't want to give, you don't have to, but this is something that we do as an act of worship. You'll see these black boxes that are around this room. That's what our offering boxes are. If you see the white buckets, those are something outside of your offering that you might want to give to people in need in this community. This is also a time for our communion where we remember what Jesus Christ has done. He is the one that has given us entrance into this family, into the kingdom of God. So when we take the bread and the juice, it's a way to remember that he made a sacrifice for each of us. Let's remember that his body and his blood were given. So we want to make sure that we're able to give our lives. Let's go ahead and go to the tables right now. in every circumstance, Father. Wherever you put us, we want to be sure that we 
serve you willingly, serve you with everything that we have because you've given us everything. We want to give it back to you. Thank you for providing for us, for loving us, for teaching us a better way. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Would you guys watch this? I've been wrestling with purpose. What was I created for? I'm more than what you see on the surface. See beneath my skin and scars. I'm skinned and scarred. Marred and twisted. Scarred by the past I need to be lifted. And sometimes I question my own existence. What was I put here for? In my seams, it seems that there seems to be more. It's like I'm a light, unplugged from the socket. I mean, do I really exist to put money in my pocket? This nine to five feels like a nine to nine. My mind entwined, I pass the time. Life circles me as I wait. What is my estate? I feel like I was made for something great, and yet I can't quite put my finger on it. But when I look at my fingers and I see their design, I realize I'm one of a kind. And something created me. No, someone created me. And that someone made me for a reason. Even though it's clear the past years have been treason, I still sense this drawing, this calling, that even in the midst of my falling, there was someone who died to pick me up. Someone who rose to fix me up. Someone who's coming back to lift me up. And that someone is Jesus. See, God made me for a purpose. And when I delight in him, it's brought to the surface. We are finishing up our 10th part of this 10-week series that we've called skill set, which just very simply is things that Christians do. If we are followers of Jesus, then these are just the things that we do. And we're going to start with this verse. It's out of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says that he has committed us, this is God, God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What is an ambassador? Do you know? Do you have a thought in your mind? What is an ambassador? When I was 12, 13 years old, I was given an incredible opportunity where I was invited by an organization called People to People to be a student ambassador, which meant fancy tourist, all right? And I got to go to New Zealand and Australia for three weeks. I was 13 years old. And I got to just go see parts of their culture. I got to see their history. I got to see, like, and study their economy. I got to meet the people. I just got to learn all these incredible things, do tons of sightseeing, lots of pictures. It was really, really incredible. The whole idea behind People to People came from President Dwight Eisenhower following World War II. Uh, he, he had seen the devastation that happens when other cultures or people groups aren't appreciated. And he wanted to come up with a, a plan, a way to uh, connect 
these distant groups. He wanted to find ways to kind of bridge those gaps that existed. And so he partnered with a few other people. They came up with this idea and they decided we'll send like 12 to 15 year olds overseas so where they can go see these things and experience these things. And they will become ambassadors for those other places that they will be the ones who defend those places. They'll, they'll stand up for those and, and, and speak to the value of those different things. And I would say that in a large part that has worked, at least for me. I continue to this day to have this strange love affair with New, uh, New Zealand and Australia. I am just absolutely fascinated by them. I, I, I would love to go back. I'd love to take my wife and get to show her some of the things that I saw at that age. But there's one significant flaw with this strategy. Because when I went, I was an ambassador. Meaning that I was a representative from where I was from. Now, quite frequently, people would say, where are you from? And we would say, Texas. <laughs> We didn't say America, we'd say Texas, and then they'd ask us if we rode horses to school. Anyways, so, so I was an ambassador, and here's the flaw. If you were to choose someone to represent your business, if you were to choose someone to represent you, would you choose a 12 to 15-year-old boy? Probably not. They're not exactly the cream of the crop, right? Here, here's, here's the thing. I, I was over there as a representative, and I fell in love with these places, but you have to ask the question back, did anyone fall in love with America because of their interactions with me? Did anyone fall in love with this idea of Texas because of their interactions with me? Probably not. Not likely. Now, here's the deal. An ambassador is an official representative of something else. They represent something else primarily in two forms. They're going to do it in the form of actions and words. I want you to think of the word integrity with this word actions. And I don't necessarily mean that in a moral sense as much as whatever is being represented, you have to have integrity to that thing. You have to match the convictions, the values of whatever that may be within yourself. And then your words have to match as well. The things you speak have to match as well. That's the role of an ambassador. And oftentimes... Oftentimes we think of ambassadors as being people who go and try to reach people who are far off, people who are distant, people who are very different. But the reality is that an ambassador exists for the people closest to them. And that's all relatively speaking. It's wherever the ambassador goes is the people who are closest to them, but that is who they are an ambassador to. Not just those who are far off, but the ones who are closest to us. We think of this often as being political, it's not. It's much bigger than this. In fact, our culture has this uh, trend happening right now with, with a phrase called brand ambassadors. It's the, it's the Instagram influencers, right? And old people, we kind of laugh and we make fun of this kind of thing, right? Except that this has existed for, for generations now, for decades. We just called them endorsement deals before, right? There's always been these brand ambassadors. And typically, we find out even more about a brand ambassador whenever the relationship is broken, Right? Like you've seen those news stories, you're, you're familiar with what I'm talking about. Recently, we've seen Adidas drop Kanye. We've seen Nike drop Kyrie Irving. In the past, we've seen Gatorade drop Tiger Woods. We saw, we saw Disney drop Johnny Depp, and there's many more examples. Times whenever a brand ambassador didn't represent the brand very well, and it caused the relationship to break. It caused it to stop, Right? Because here's the reality, an ambassador is expected to hold the same stance as the brand or whatever it is that they represent. Now, I'm still an ambassador. 
It's not something that I've left in the past. It wasn't something that I did just at one time. The practical reality of life is that everywhere I go, everything I do, everything I say represents someone else. That's kind of the joke behind these t-shirts, okay? Uh, Jordan shared with you his t-shirt, which was basically just a lie on top of a lie. Uh, Same with mine. This is a joke that Steve's playing on me. Uh, because I really don't even like movies. My kids saw this, and, and they looked at me confused, and they said, you don't even like movies. It's like, yeah, I, I watch sports because it's real, <laughs> all right? That's what I'm interested in, okay? But, but there's this sense that each of us carries something. Each of us is willing to talk about something, even your most introverted, shy, uh, you know, closed-off person that you know. You have a friend like that, and you know that if you asked them the right question or got it onto the, the right topic, they would just talk and talk and talk. They become an ambassador of whatever it is that they're talking about, right? That's what this is. We all carry something like that, but it's bigger than that. I have a last name. It's Webb. And I'm not the only one. There's others. And there's a sense in which my behavior, my actions, the things that I say represent much larger groups and demographics than myself, right? My parents will be judged according to how I live and how I speak. I'm their ambassador, right? And I have a wife and I have kids and the same thing for them. My behavior, my speech will dictate how they are viewed. I'm representing them everywhere I go, everything I do, everything I say. But don't miss this. I'm also an ambassador to them. I don't just represent them throughout the world, but I represent other things to them as well because it's bigger than that. It's bigger than your name. You guys have friends. And some of you, all of you probably, have a friend that you don't have anymore, someone from the past. Because you made a decision. They had actions or they had words that you didn't want to be associated with. You didn't want them representing you, and so you broke the relationship. And it's probably fair to say that the opposite has happened as well. There are people in your life who've chosen to break away from you because they didn't agree with the things that you said or the things that you did. We don't want to be represented by those things, right? Employers nowadays, they do searches on social media to find out everything they can about potential employees because they want to know if you're going to represent their company well. They want to know if you're going to represent it not just when you're working for them, but even in your time off. Are you going to give them a good representation of who they are and what they stand for? But we're not just, we're not just ambassadors outside of those places or of those places. We're ambassadors in those places that we represent things even to the people who are closest to us. It's not just about those who are far off. It's about those who are up close. And it's even bigger than all this. I mean, there's a sense in which, there's a sense in which our behavior and our words create reputations and stereotypes of Frankfurt, right? Like a whole community is shaped by actions and words of the people who live there. And at a larger scale, the state, I mean, Kentucky has a few reputations, if you're not aware, because people have helped build them, right? And the United States in general, I mean, even larger, there's a sense in which there are reputations of this country that exist because of the actions or the words of a few. We are ambassadors, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, you're ambassadors. And even bigger than all this, we're ambassadors to our God. 
that when you have chosen to be a Jesus follower, when you've submitted yourself to him, and if you're a part of this specific family, if you've become a part of Cap City as a member and you want to be a part of this specific family, it means that, means that you are now an ambassador of God's brand. It's a weird way to say it, but you are. What you do and what you say reflects the perceived values of this church and of our God. And again, you don't have to agree. You don't have to like this news. You could push back. You could suggest even that you aren't a Jesus follower, but this is true. It's true for all people in all circumstances that everywhere we go, everything we say, everything we, we do, we are representing someone or something outside of ourselves. We're all ambassadors. Which comes back to this verse. God has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is really interesting to me. God's plan, God's idea, God's strategy of how he's going to reach the world is through us. He gave it to us. And we don't get to choose the message. Hang on to this. When we go into the world, sometimes Christians like to pick the message they want to deliver. We want to we just kind of lay something out for somebody and let them know what we think, right? It's not for us. He committed the message to us, and it's a message of reconciliation. And that makes us ambassadors. It makes us his representatives, that everywhere we go, everything we do, everything we say, we're doing it on his behalf. And our actions, our words, will dictate how a world looks at our God. And then there's this. I don't, I don't, like, I don't like this, as though God were making his appeal through us. I don't like that phrase, as though, because that suggests that maybe this is a little bit more passive, a little bit softer. Like, like, it, like maybe it feels kind of like God's making his appeal through us. It's not that way at all. It's exactly like that. This is exactly what God is doing. His plan, his strategy is us. God is exactly making his appeal through us. And so we have to recall this message. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul says it clearly. Jesus' followers are God's official representatives. We're ambassadors. We act and we speak with the authority of God. And when we speak the message of reconciliation, it is the same as if God were doing it himself. Do you see the authority he's given us, the responsibility he's given us? And this means that if we get it right or wrong, it doesn't really matter, if we get it right or wrong, people will get their impression of who God is and what he cares for based on what we do and what we say. And this probably isn't too hard of a concept but it does get a little bit more personal because there's a likelihood that maybe your actions or your words have actually pushed people away from God. That if you look back in your life, you can see a time when you didn't represent Jesus well and there's a chance that maybe you actually pushed people away. It could be your kids. It could be your parents. It could be a neighbor, a coworker. But because you didn't act and because you didn't speak in accordance to who Jesus is, you actually pushed people away. And so we had better get this right. What does it look like? 
to a large extent, I think it's been what this sermon series is. We're looking through these skill sets and we're seeing all the ways in which we follow Jesus, the things that we do as followers of Jesus. And it's going to be stuff like this. It's, it's worship and prayer and Bible study, the first three things that we looked at in this series. When we do these things well, it shows the world how important God is and it tells the world how committed we are to him. It's active for us. It's the work of ambassadors. There's an aspect of this that is very personal. This stuff is good for us. As followers of Jesus, these things are good for us. But there's also the component of how it is good for those who are outside of Jesus, those who are far from God. When they see us faithful, it benefits them. It's good for us and it's good for them. We're single-minded, which basically means we just have our priorities in order. We make sure that God is our highest priority. We're totally surrendered, which means that Jesus isn't just our Savior, but that he's also our Lord and that we are committed to biblical community because these two are really, really hard if you do it alone. And when we do these things, these are things that Jesus followers do. do. These are part of our skill set. When we do these things, we're showing the world something important. We're showing them the importance of doing life together. We're, we're telling them, we're telling the world where they can find community that's going to benefit them because the reality is these things are the work of ambassadors this is what ambassadors do and it's good for us personally but when we play these things out it becomes good for the people around us as well it's powerful for those close by and we recognize that God has given us spiritual gifts and resources and time the things that we've been talking about the last three weeks the things that God has given us to be used for his purposes here's the thing when we leverage these things for Jesus, incredible things happen. It tells the world that all people are loved by God. When we use our gifts, our resources, our time, and Doc really railed on the idea that none of it's ours anyways, okay? But when we use these things that God has given us, it shows the world that we care too. It tells them that God loves them, but it also shows them that we do too, that they matter to us, that they mean something to us as well. And then finally, to cap it all off, we share our faith. That's what today is, kind of a summation of all of these ideas. These things are good for us, but it's also good for the people outside of God. And we can get even more practical here. Doc got us started with this last week and introduced a lot of this. He spoke out of Colossians chapter 4. And if you remember, there was uh, these prayers. Paul is writing to the Colossians and he has these prayers that he has. He's in jail and he asked them to pray for him. And he's praying, you know, like, like God, would you open doors for, for, the, for the message? Would you help create opportunities for me to continue sharing the good news of who you are? And as Doc was teaching through those things, we actually paused last week and took moments to pray. You guys remember that? And in the very first prayer that Doc offered, he said this. He said, God, you have called us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. God, show us how. God, show us how. Paul gives us some generic examples here. He immediately follows verses 2 and 3 where he has these prayers, with, uh, 3 and 4, with verse 5, Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, where he says, Be wise in the way you act 
toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. That word outsiders to me is interesting here because it suggests that they're easily identifiable. They're not. You don't always know who is and who isn't. And so I think he could have just said, be wise in the way you act. (laughs) Make sure that everywhere you go, everything you do, that you're representing Jesus well, that you're an ambassador on his behalf in all situations. Because here's the reality, and I want you to really, really pause on this one. Before you ever speak a word, before you ever say a word from your mouth, you've already preached a sermon with your actions. Do you buy that? That's what Doc would say. Do you believe that? I think you probably do because you would say this about other people, but we don't like it when it gets too personal within us, right? But here's the reality. Before you ever say a word from your mouth, you've already preached a sermon from your actions. It has to start there. Years ago, I was in a, uh, I was in a restaurant kind of a, an ice cream parlor is really what it was. And I listened to a man begin screaming at a teenage cash register uh, attendant because he hadn't given him the correct change. And it was embarrassing for the man and his behavior, and it was embarrassing for the teenager, really rattled him significantly. And it was embarrassing for me because I knew the man. He went to my church. And I knew the kid working the register. He also went to our church. And it got really, really awkward and really difficult. And I don't think the man had any clue. He didn't know this kid, but the kid knew who he was. He recognized him. He knew he was someone he went to church with. And it really rattled this young man. It made it hard for him to want to be associated with a place that that man would also be associated with. Do you see how that works? His actions preached a message that a Jesus follower had a hard time with, how much more so a non-Jesus follower, right? This is why it matters. He preached a message with his actions that spoke more than if he had wanted to talk to them about Jesus. In Matthew chapter 5, 16, Jesus puts it this way. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. How cool is it when Christians do life well, so well that non-believers begin worshiping God? That's the call. That before, when, we, when it comes to sharing our faith, that before we would ever mutter a word, we live a life in such a way that other people would already be drawn in that they would already be interested in worship. Now, look, there's lots of ways that we get this wrong. As Christians, in fact, we have a reputation of getting this wrong quite frequently. I don't know if you've ever worked in the food industry, but if you have, you know that waiters and waitresses' least favorite shift to work is the Sunday lunch. They hate it. And they hate it because Christians show up to go eat after church. And you know they're Christians because they're dressed up They look nice. They're put together. They didn't just barely wake up and come in for a late breakfast, right? And they come in looking good, having just worshiped their God, and and then they walk in, they begin treating staff poorly, they demand better service, and then they tip well below the minimum expectation. If you've ever worked in a service environment like that, you know what I'm saying is true. Here's the reality. You're an ambassador, You are an ambassador. You don't get to choose this. You don't get to deflect this. As a representative of Jesus, you are an ambassador. As a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador. And so everywhere you go, act accordingly. 
Be on your best behavior. Represent your God well. There's lots of ways we get this wrong. Man, there's, there's a younger generation now. Kids and, and grandkids, my kids. Their generation struggles with wanting to go to church. And most of the time it's because not Jesus. They, they kind of like him. They tend to, to think he's interesting at least. It's a reputation of the Christians. It's a reputation of the churches. It's the judgment, the negativity, the hateful attitudes. These things are causing people to stumble. It's causing people to push away instead of drawing them in. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador of Jesus, meaning that everywhere you go, everything you do, you're an ambassador. Act accordingly. Represent your God well. There's some things that we do right. It's why as a church we care so much about nudges. I know that for some of you, you think that nudges exist because we're trying to reach people out there. Even the way that Jordan talked about it this morning, that we're trying to, to nudge 12,000 people in our community towards Jesus. And that's really, really cool. If I can let you behind the curtains just a little bit and, and reveal something to you here. Actually, this is about us trying to nudge you. We're trying to nudge our people to be active with their faith, to do something to actually go and participate in the work of the kingdom. We're trying to put tools in your hands that make it so easy that you don't have excuses anymore. We want you to be active. We want your actions to be representing your God well. We want you to be ambassadors within our community because here's what happens. When we get this right, it opens doors. Jesus in Matthew 5, he says that, that even non Christians, people who aren't his followers begin worshiping God. When you begin to live right, when you act right, when you act with a kindness and a generosity and a joy to people, they start recognizing it as something that they don't have and a door opens to talk. When we act right, it gives us an opportunity to speak right like an ambassador. The very next verse that Paul says after he tells us to act right, the very next thing he says is, let your conversation be always full of grace. Pay attention to that. If you write in your Bibles, if you circle or underline, go back and make a big deal about that. Put a number one by act and a number two by conversation because they are in that order for a reason. When we act right, it gives us an opportunity to talk afterwards. So let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Our actions open doors to conversations. Our actions preach a message that allows our voice to preach a message, which means that we have to make sure that they match, that they work together, that they're communicating the same thing. And when you speak, your words should add flavor to someone else's life. It should be palatable, not offensive. Paul says, full of grace, seasoned with salt. When you talk about Jesus, you don't represent your own interest. Again, Christians, we like to just go in with our own message of what we think people need to hear. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, it's reconciliation. Here, he says, season it with salt, full of grace. We don't represent our own interests. We represent his. It's kind of like cooking. If I were to cook a meal for myself, I would season it and prepare it the way that I would want to eat it. If I'm going to cook a meal for you, a respectful person would cook it the way that you want to eat it, right? 
I would season it for you. I would season it according to your palate. I would make it with the ingredients that you would appreciate. If I'm cooking for myself, I'm putting onions in it. If I'm cooking for Doc, there's no onions. All right? When I speak Jesus, I need to speak Jesus according to your palate. It's the difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon. One adds flavor. The other is overwhelming and offensive. It makes you want to spit it out. Each person deserves a different, unique word on Jesus because they each have a different, unique palate. I speak Jesus accordingly. How I speak to a coworker who is far from God is very different than how I would speak to a coworker who's asking questions. Do you see the difference? I'm an ambassador. And so I speak accordingly. And I represent my God well. How I speak to my kid or my grandkid is going to be different than how I speak to your kid or your grandkid. Right? How I speak to my kids or grandkids is going to be different than how I speak to someone that I've never met before. But I'm an ambassador. In both situations, I'm an ambassador. And so I'm going to speak accordingly to their palate and what it is that they need. I'm going to represent my God well. How I speak to a Christian who's fallen away is going to be very different than, who I, than how I would speak to someone who has been faithful for 40 years. As an ambassador, it's up to me to recognize the difference and to speak accordingly and to represent my God well. Each situation deserves a different measure of salt, a different measure of flavor. Each situation deserves a different calculated verbal response. And it must be combined with your life. It has to follow your actions. If there's a contradiction between your words and your actions, it will push people away. It has to be graceful words with a graceful life. It's a life that's pursuing God while also speaking truth in the right measure. Here's, here's what I find interesting. If you see a dental commercial come on TV, you'll notice that they all have straight, perfect white teeth, right? And if you see a commercial for some sort of new diet plan or, or supplement or whatever it may be, you'll notice that at the end of the commercial, everybody's skinny, okay? It should be the same way as Christians. When we speak of Jesus, it had sure better back up with our life. It had better match what we are living, what we're saying must match what we're living, which means, and this is the harshest way I can possibly put it, all right? But it means that if there isn't observable change in your life from the reconciliation that you've received in Jesus, if there isn't proof in how you are living with Jesus in your life, not to say that you're perfect, not to say that you don't sin anymore, not to say that you're not like that you're above making a mistake, okay? But to see that there's change, to see that there's kindness or generosity, all these things actually that we'll be talking about in the next segment of this sermon series when we pick it up after Easter. If there isn't proof that the Spirit is working in your life, then it might be necessary for you to keep your mouth shut. Did you hear that? We sometimes want to talk a lot about Jesus, but we don't want to back it up with our lives. It's life first, talk second. The reality is we're constantly scarred by the failures of Christians. It hurts our credibility because every one of them is an ambassador. Every one of us is an ambassador, and our failures hurt our message, and it hurts our God. But even worse, it, it hurts those who aren't followers of Jesus, because it doesn't represent Jesus correctly. 
that pushes them further away. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're someone who feels pushed away from God because of the examples set by the ambassadors he sent. Maybe you're hurt. You're tired of the way that ambassadors continue to fail. I get it. I've experienced it. I felt it. I've prayed for my children that it would not be the thing that would drive them away from Christ. And I've had to allow Jesus to shape how I view his followers and not let his followers shape how I view Jesus. They're ambassadors, but they're people and they fail. And I found that Jesus is worth pursuing no matter what. Maybe you're on the other side of it. In fact, I would be willing to bet that every single one of us in here at some point in our life can point to someone we know who is far from Jesus because of an experience they've had with a Jesus follower. They've fallen away for whatever reason, right? It was, it was a failure, it was a speech, it was something that was given that wasn't valuable or helpful to those people. And we know them to fall away. In fact, in fact, maybe it was even you who failed. I, I bet I could probably give you a list of names of people that I think are further away from God after having met me. And that's kind of heavy. Whether you like it or not, whether you feel worthy or not, whether you believe you're capable or not, whether you've got it right or wrong in the past or not, you are God's plan. You're still God's plan. You're his strategy. And it doesn't make sense to me. Someday I look forward to arguing about this with him because <laughs> I think he could have had a much better plan. But this is what it is. God's idea, God's plan, God's strategy is you. The strategy that he has for reaching people who are far from Christ is you. The same people that you love. This isn't ambassadorship going to New Zealand and Australia. This is going across your living room. This is sometimes reaching over to the other side of the bed to your spouse. Sometimes it's that close, isn't it? He's calling you to reach people who don't know him. The same people that you love, God loves even more. He loves them so much that he sent Jesus. And now he's sending you. Jesus followers, we have to remember our name. We have to remember who we are. We have to remember this role that we've accepted. You've accepted Jesus as Savior. You've accepted him as Lord. You accept the responsibility to be his ambassador in all places. Remember who you represent at all times. You're an ambassador. God is making his appeal of reconciliation to this world through you. And so act wisely. Speak gracefully. Represent him well in all things. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Our God, you are so very good. God, I'm so grateful that you have forgiven us over and over and over again. That no matter how many times we get this wrong, no matter how many times we fail as ambassadors, God, you continue to forgive us and show us grace. Help us to take seriously what it means to have a life that is changed by reconciliation with you and help us to carry this message of reconciliation into the world. Help us to be full of grace and prepared to speak your truth to those ready to receive it. God, give us the courage to be your ambassadors.
Have a seat, guys. Real quickly, we just want to tell you where we've been and where we're going. Last fall, we started a series, and it's all about what we believe because we're Jesus followers. Because as Jesus followers, we believe there's a big G God. We believe that that God loves us so much that He sent His Son to, to die in our place. We believe that He left us a guidebook so we know how to do life well as Jesus followers. We believe that He connected us into a family. We believe that our job is to drag each other to heaven because we don't think that death, physical death, is the end, right? We believe in a heaven and a hell. And uh, so we, we're, we're very grateful. It's all about grace. It's all about God's truth. That's where we were in the fall. Yeah. Before I say anything else, what would your shirt say? Probably bacon. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All right, so then the, the second. <laughs> Maybe cowboys. Cowboys eating bacon. There you yeah, go. There we go. 
So then uh, the last 10 weeks, we've been looking at, uh, we've been calling it skill set. Again, just those things that we do as Jesus followers. We talked about it in the sermon this morning. But just the, the, the things that we do between worship, prayer, Bible study, it's, it's the single-mindedness, the total surrender, biblical community. Uh, see if I can get them all. Uh, resources, time, spiritual gifts, and then sharing our faith. These are the things that we do. If you're a follower of Jesus, this isn't a, uh, a collection that you get to choose which ones you want. It's just the things that we do. We do all of them. We're wrapping up that series this morning, and we're going to do a kind of a four-week mini-series leading to Easter. It's going to be about mountaintops. A lot of things in the scripture happened on mountaintops. Some things in your life happen on mountaintops. Sometimes on top of a mountain, you can see things more clearly. Sometimes mountains are just obstacles that you have to cross. And we're going to talk about four of the biggest mountaintops that are in the scripture. Yeah, so we'll be talking about the, the Beatitudes, the Mount of the Beatitudes, where that took place, the Sermon on the Mount. We're talking about the Mount of Temptation. Uh, we'll be looking at the Transfiguration, which is kind of a fascinating story. And then we'll be looking at Calvary, probably the most important mountaintop we come across in Scripture, which I think is really significant. And I have to look at my notes to make sure I cover all this. That'll be going through Easter. That's all there. Two last things just before I send you out. Uh, we have our Getting Started 201 back in the Connections Room as you leave. I'll be back there. I'd love to talk to you about how we can get you more connected here. We're also doing our fundraiser lunch after the second service. And if you want to go orders, they're doing those as well. So that is everything I was supposed to say. So go home. There we go. 